Welcome to Coffee with the College, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin chapter. Our goal is for listeners to find this podcast as relaxing as coffee with friends and just as comfortable as our guests and observers banter about questions that are on all of our minds. If you've listened to the podcast before, you're familiar with the drill. I'm your host, Janet Schultz. I'm Chief Information Officer at a human services company called MyPath. Our observers today are Madeline Hansen, who is an operations manager in the Mayo Clinic Health System, Department of Family Medicine, and Rachel Kabelka, Manager, Strategic Initiatives for Advocate Health. Today, you're listening to the first of two podcasts with our guest, Dr. Nicole Ewell. Dr. Ewell is a health psychologist with over 20 years of experience in healthcare as a provider, teacher, and leader. She teaches healthcare professionals to harness the pillars of interpersonal wellness to create mentally healthy workplaces. She speaks and consults with healthcare organizations across the country and is the author of Well To Do, a guide to take charge, set goals, and improve your health. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome, Nicole. We're so excited to have you here. Yes, thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us. Nicole, when I reached out to you about this podcast, the first thing I mentioned was that our ACHE Wisconsin Podcast Committee was interested in a podcast on reconnecting to purpose, and you were specifically highlighted to us as a great guest on that topic. So the feeling was that over the last few years, it's really been a marathon for those of us in healthcare, and a lot of us need to recharge. So you suggested um, that we talk about moving from quiet quitting, a buzzword recently, to showing up loudly. And I can't wait to hear what you mean by that. So let's get started. So you've mentioned, Nicole, that um, you've um, seen a disconnection from why since the pandemic. How have you seen that disconnect play out? Well, the symptoms of burnout are threefold, and we've all heard this uh, this word burnout, and we're probably burned out on hearing the word burnout. But they're they're the components of burnout are very interesting to me, and they are exhaustion, depersonalization, or that sense that you have a lack of empathy for people, um, and a lack of feeling like you have uh, professional accomplishments. So I think that during the pandemic. So many uh, healthcare workers and healthcare professionals were working nonstop with very little time for reflection on what they're doing and the why for the why they're doing it. And when you don't have that time, you let go of certain practices or disciplines that remind you of the greater purpose. And this is extremely important because when you look at research on happiness or contentedness, uh, happiness, you find that people who have a connection to purpose or connection to something greater than their own personal needs tend to have a more longstanding um resilient form of happiness. So um, these these practices that I think we're going to get into and talk about a little bit today are so important for regaining that that sense of purpose. Nicole, um, you know, that really resonates with me um, having worked in healthcare and um, experienced the pandemic like so many others um, and working very closely with providers and seeing it in the teams that I support. Um, 
when we see that disconnect in ourselves, what can we do about it? That's such a great question. I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I have come to divide these practices that I've developed over time um, into two categories. And I call them the capital M mindfulness and the lowercase m mindfulness. And the capital M mindfulness practices are practices that you would do regularly as a discipline. Um, Those things might include things like a gratitude journal. So writing three things that you're grateful for every day. This sounds so simple, but there are there's so much evidence to support the benefit of this practice. And the trick here is that you never are allowed to repeat. And I think what happens with this is that then after a few days, a few weeks, a few months, you, it becomes a little bit of a challenge to dig deeper and start looking around in your environment for things that you're grateful for. And then another big M mindfulness practice that I um, teach is having a mantra or a motto. So something that you say to yourself to interrupt those maybe negative thoughts or self-defeating thoughts that you have. Um, one of my favorite mantras is a ship is safest in harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. And that reminds me sometimes when people ask me to do really big, intimidating things that, yeah, I can do this. I was built for this and it's going to be hard and it's going to be a little scary, but I can do it. So the little M mindfulness um, category is more things that you would do in the moment every day or what I call the everyday mindfulness. So this could be things like catching people doing good. So particularly in medicine, we are encouraged to look for what's wrong and get rid of it. (laughs) But uh, I really encourage people to look around, find the things that people are doing well, and to say something about it. And as a side note to that, another practice is just saying thank you to people, expressing gratitude in real time, in person to people, and getting in these habits and disciplines of doing those kinds of things. And then the other category of thing that I recommend to people is protecting your purpose. So that can be uh, engaging in practices such as the simple word, no, (laughs) Um, to just, uh, you know, I've heard this phrase, no is a verb, (laughs) Um, just saying no to people when you are, you've taken on too much. Uh, Paulo Kaleo said that you should be careful when you say yes to others because you may be saying no to yourself. Um, so just saying no and um, setting boundaries on your time and a, having a discipline of doing so is super important. And then also surrounding yourself with good people. So really thinking about the people that you spend time with, especially both in work, but also outside of work. And are those people lifting you up? Are they supporting you? Are they reinforcing that you're doing a good job? And do they believe in you? And do they just make you feel good about yourself? I really love that idea of having a personal mantra. I wouldn't even know where to get started, um, but I feel like everyone should have one. How mm-hmm. did you go about like reflecting on a good one for yourself and and um, coming up with that? Yeah, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Just a, a quote that you find yourself thinking of often or you know, a meme <laughs> that you found on social media that inspires you. Really, mantras are just shortcuts. They're mental hacks or mental shortcuts to help you stop a certain line of thinking. So I could get lost in the thinking of that's too hard. It's too intimidating. I'm not going to be able to do that. It's too overwhelming. No one will like this idea. Or I could interrupt those thoughts. (laughs) 
with my mantra and just get to work. So look around, uh, write some things down, put some things on your mirror, <laughs> your bathroom mirror and test them out. And if they don't quite work for you, you know, try something else. And also, you know, you may need a few different mantras for different settings. <laughs> so, um, Nicole, as, as you responded to, you know, Madeline's great question, it, a light bulb went out off over my head and it's kind of like, we need to have those mantras so that when our thoughts are going negative, that negative train of thought can start to take us away from our purpose rather than toward our purpose and exactly. can be part of snipping that connection to purpose. So it was just an aha moment I had that really emphasizes it's important to have those grounding mantras or models to right. keep us centered, right? And this is a discipline. It's a practice. And so it's a, it's a something just like if you were practicing free throws, nobody is, you know, just wait until game time to practice free throws on the basketball court. They practice them hundreds and thousands of times before the big game. So, so that when we're in a tough moment or a difficult conversation, that's a reflex. It's a reaction. You already have this, you have it down. Nicole, I want to take us back to something you mentioned earlier, which was about people start to experience burnout when they stop making time for some of these practices that you've just shared with us. Mm -hmm. What tips, what advice do you give people to start creating more space as that gets squeezed out in their busy careers, busy lives? Yeah. So one of the basics is time blocking. So actually scheduling time for these things. And this works for almost anything. You can schedule time for exercise, obviously. What happens is people fill their schedule and then they say, oh, now I need to fit in exercise. But other people who time block write the exercise time in, and then that becomes non-negotiable. Um, you know, even things you want to work on, like if you want to work on um, being an upstander or being anti-racist, you can schedule time for that in your, in your schedule and say, I'm going to work on this. Or if you want to, you know, schedule time for gratitude journaling, you can, you can put that in your calendar and block it off. And actually, if they, if you really want to take it to the next level as a leader, you can bake this into the culture of your setting and set aside time for everyone to do this. One of the things we've done in some of the institutions I've worked at is, you know, if you want to measure well-being, for example, just to help people monitor how they're doing, you start off with the first five minutes of a staff meeting and you say, okay, we're just going to take a minute to fill out that well-being measure, or we're going to take a few minutes to just say something that's happened in the last week that made you feel connected to your purpose. So it's really about having that scheduled time that's part of your routine. I love that. And I love the tips that you have for how they, how people can integrate it into their teams as well. Just that few minutes of extra time to create that space. That's, that's fantastic. That's great advice. One question that I have for you, Nicole, is around, you know, we, we talk about how we can take care of our teams and the importance of applying this in the team setting as well. But can you speak to the importance of leaders making space for this? And I think about the concept of you have to put on your face mask on a plane before you start helping others. And... Can you translate that into what we're talking about today and the importance of leaders taking care of themselves so that they can be more effective in leadership? Right. So this is so important because 
you really can't, I find a lot of disconnect when people are saying one thing and doing another, just like a parent. If you're, if you're, you know, parent says, why are you always yelling? You need to stop yelling. And you're like, well, okay, <laughs> you're yelling too. Um, so this is super important that leaders embrace these uh, topics, not just in concept, but in practice. I'll tell you that many times if I've given a training in the past and leadership doesn't show up for the training, let's say we do a wellness training or a workshop and leadership doesn't show up, people notice. They notice that the leader's not there. Um, and also when you engage in these practices, you give other people permission to do so. So for example, if you are trying to change the culture to destigmatize mental health issues and seeking help and support for stressors, you might openly speak about a time that you went to counseling or openly speak about a family member who struggled with mental health. And that can be very uncomfortable at first because if you're a leader, you don't you don't want to appear weak, so to speak. You want to appear strong and like everything is together, but it's that vulnerability that really gives people permission to also engage in those practices. I saw a quote, I'm going to not get it quite right, but that vulnerability is one of the greatest forms of bravery. And I just love that idea because letting ourselves be human tells people with actions that it's okay to be human. And I, I, another quote attributed to uh, St. Francis, I can't guarantee I wasn't there, but uh, supposedly said, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. So it's really important to demonstrate these and to see them as part of your mission as a leader. And I think a lot of leaders are very selfless. They give and they give. And so sometimes they won't take time for themselves, but if we can trick ourselves into thinking we're taking care of ourselves for the benefit of the company, for the benefit of the culture of the people I lead, maybe you'll be more likely to set aside time for those things. On behalf of Coffee with the College, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our premier sponsors, Epstein UN Architects, HGA, Hush Blackwell, and thank you as well to our preferred sponsors, C.G. Schmidt, Findorf, Paul Render, Nutanix, Plunkett Research Architects, and Quarles and Brady. Speaking of leaders, Nicole, um, you and I had some wonderful prep time for today's podcast. Um, one of the things you talked about was your genuine belief that's um, backed up by research uh, that uh, leader awareness on this topic of connecting people to purpose um, is also key to employee engagement. Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah. So one of my true norths that I always hold uh, when I'm approaching well-being or culture building in an organization is that the evidence overwhelmingly supports the need for an employee to feel support and autonomy. These are the two key things. So we want to, leaders want to make sure that they are creating a culture that focuses on people feeling supported and then also that people have some choice in how their work environment looks and feels and is experienced by them. So why does this matter? When you increase the ratings of a leader. So let's say a leader in an organization gets a one point increase in the way they're seen, the way that they're rated and and how their quality as a leader, you're going to see a nine point 
decrease in burnout, which I think is pretty impactful. That's a pretty amazing return on investment, right? And so when we know that when people are less burned out, they're also more engaged in their work and they provide a better customer experience. So there's a ripple effect here that has quite a bit of power. I I really love that. And you know, we've been focusing a lot on taking care, you know, the leader taking care of themselves so that they can show up to care for the teams. Um, once we've achieved, you know, that, that solid discipline, we have our habits in place to take care of ourselves, you know, we're exercising, we're gratitude journaling, we're doing all those things. We're, we're ensuring that we're thanking the team and we're being present. Um, you know, now it's the leader's um, responsibility to shift their focus to the team and empower the team to also adopt these practices or, you know, teach them what they can do um, to, you know, improve their engagement and realignment with their why and purpose and decrease their burnout. So what do you recommend to leaders to then, you know, pass the baton to their teams to also pick up on these practices? I think the two main themes are to openly and loudly engage in these activities publicly and to say the why of why you're engaging in them and how you've benefited from them. And then the second thing is to bake them into the culture. And I find that to be um, through simple things, as we discussed previously, putting it as an agenda item, putting signs having a reminder to people that this is time to take time for yourself, providing resources like a template for a gratitude journal on your intranet internally. So, you know, just being open and honest about your own process and, and letting people see the benefits of that and then creating time. Uh, we've had, I've had some experiences in the past where, you know, leadership issues, cute acronyms or uh, shortcuts or ideas and well-being initiatives, you know, things like encouraging the nurses at the nurse's station to drink water and go to the bathroom. And the nurses just roll their eyes like, when, (laughs) when am I going to do that? (laughs) You know, when is there time to do that? So, um, you know, it's one thing to roll out initiatives and words, but you have to really have that action and and create time and structure and saying, look, we have built-in breaks for our people to make sure that they can take care of themselves. You can't just issue the words, you have to issue the action around it. I think that is going to be an idea that I take back to my nurse partners. I can just see it as a really fun competition within the nurse teams. We're like, who can drink the most water? within a day and be running around to the bathroom that could be um if you could make it energizing as well because you know i i you know in my experience as a leader i've i've made attempts to build in activities like this or i've seen other leaders who have done these things and and yeah you you did um you know, point to that, that sometimes the, the team rolls their eyes or they ha- they're they having difficulty engaging or they're like, oh, here's another wellness activity. And so, you know, that how, how long does it take till the team starts to buy in and they're starting to see like, hey, you know, they're, they're continually coming to this meeting with this agenda item and I'm starting to to feel it now. I'm starting to get the buy-in. 
Um, and then you shift the mindset. Um, cause I think that's really what we're trying to get to at the, at the, at the deepest part of it is, is that mindset. Cause the mindset will then change the behaviors of the team will then change the results, um, that they're, that they're getting. I think that the the answer to the question of how long does it take depends on how far away you are from the goal to some extent. And um, but I will say that you mentioned, oh, another wellness initiative. In my well-being work, I one of the things I really relied on and went back to is is this initiative we're launching a random act of wellness or is it a sustainable culture shift? And a random act of wellness is a thing like a wellness potluck, okay? A one-time thing, people bring in some healthy foods. Has that changed the culture or has it just created one moment of wellness? Whereas um, saying that we start off every meeting by expressing gratitude for a team member, and we do that every time for months at a time, that is a culture shift, right? So just, uh, I can't guarantee an amount of time. It depends on how receptive people are. It depends on how much action the leader is willing to take and the resources available to you. But I will say that we really want to focus on those sustainable culture shifts rather than random acts of wellness. Uh, So Nicole, at the start of this podcast, we talked about moving from quiet quitting to showing up loudly. And as I told you, I was interested in what does it mean to show up loudly, right? And I think that as we've gone through our discussion today, it really has become clear that showing up loudly means showing, you know, embracing some of the contemplative practices you've talked about, the, the mindfulness practices that would allow us to then be more present uh, more purposeful, more connected to our purpose. So is that what showing up loudly looks like? It is, but it's also a few other things. So when we show up loudly, we're connected to purpose, but we're doing that in a way that shows other people that we're connected to our purpose, especially as a leader. It's that taking the reins and creating space for these practices to be engaged in by everyone or openly speaking about your practices or becoming the person who actively is doing these things. So for example, I carry around these uh, little business cards that say you are awesome and we give them to people. And then we say, okay, just give that to someone else, you know? And so I've been using these um, for years in professional settings and in trainings, I give them to people and say, hey, just keep them moving. And what's happened is my kids have actually started using them and my kids hand them out on when we go travel and things like that. So, um, you know, to a great tour guide or a great bus driver or whatever. And so it's these active demonstrations of connectedness. And for me, interpersonal wellness is everything. It's that connectedness to each other. So we can have a contemplative practice that's alone in our room and we're gratitude journaling. But if we never translate that to how we treat other people and how we connect with other people, people, then I think there's a missed opportunity there. So showing up loudly to work would mean that we show up and we actively connect with each other and celebrate each other and also support each other and notice if someone needs a little, a little lift and that we're, we have these practices and times in place to honor those needs and get them met. I used to have these happy seeds 
that I would give out to my team. And they were these cute little rocks that were painted all these different colors. So you could kind of personalize which one you picked to give to each of your team members based on, you know, what you felt like they would, uh, like their personality and such. And, and they were really cute. And I feel like, you know, the, you know, the team really liked that because when they were having difficult moments or we were working through a really heavy project or had a big lift, you know, they, they could look at that and, um, it helps them to recenter. But somehow it's more valuable because they didn't buy the rock. <laughs> you gave it to them. It's that connection that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think about, I've had sort of a personal mantra of if I'm thinking something positive about someone or how great they are, that I should let them know that or communicate that. And is that an example in some ways of showing up loudly? That is exactly right. Yes, that is is exactly what we're talking about here is instead of having these kind thoughts or appreciative thoughts about people in your mind where they don't do anyone any good, expressing them and just thinking about how you feel if you say to a stranger, oh my gosh, I love your sneakers and watching them smile or you know, saying to a coworker, you just rocked that meeting. What a great presentation and seeing them light up. That not only benefits them, but it also benefits you. And we have tons of research to support that. So actively seeking out ways to connect meaningfully with each other, because we can we can really only control how we treat ourselves and how we treat others. And if we can take control of that, we really transform our workplace. Seems like the win-win. Yeah. Nicole, we've talked about so many great strategies for helping ourselves reconnect to purpose. Can you touch a little bit on what are some tips, tricks, behaviors that leaders can do if they recognize that someone on their team is experiencing a disconnect to purpose? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's so important, um, not only to, you know, we're obviously taking care of ourselves, but we we have an obligation as leaders to look around and care for uh, our teams. So the main thing I recommend is to have that also, <laughs> this won't come as a surprise, but to build that into the structure, right? So what we've done in some of our residency programs in the past is in making a shift in the way we check in with people. So they wanted, there was a point where people wanted to do a well-being check with each team member. And there was some talk about how to do that. And so the natural inclination would be, how are you doing? Uh, are you noticing any depression? But you know, who wants to share that kind of stuff with their boss? <laughs> That's a little awkward, right? So one of the things, the shifts we made is we did a regular uh, biannual check-in with people around wellness. We asked two slightly different questions. The first was, are you aware of the resources that we have available to support people uh, to flourish, to thrive? I love those words, flourish and thrive. So we're setting this, this expectation that people who want to flourish and thrive are engaging and using the resources that we have, such as maybe EAP or well-being check-ins or nutrition check-ins, whatever this the company is providing. So the first question is, are you aware of where to find those resources that we're providing to you? The second question is, what barriers in the workplace are getting in the way of you accessing those resources? Which 
makes a little mental shift, right? It's saying it's our obligation as employers to make sure that the workplace environment supports you having time to access these resources. It expresses that support. (laughs) It offers some autonomy and input into how we can change and make those barriers less significant. And it invites people in a way that's more normalizing to take advantage of these resources. Yeah, I love that. And I love the language that you use in those questions too. Not just are you aware of resources, but calling out the words of you know, flourish and thrive and those those specific actions. That's awesome. Thank you. So Nicole, we have so enjoyed um, this reflective conversation with you. When you started today with us, you talked about um, that we need to take time to reflect. And so I'm sure Madeline and Rachel and I are ever so hopeful that our listener, our listeners that um, tuned into this podcast got some reflective ideas um, from the observations and comments that you made, Nicole. I hope so. so. I'd like to say thank you uh, for being our guest. And I just want to wrap up with a few thoughts that I jotted down as you were talking. So um, the first thought I wrote down was reconnecting to purpose isn't a spectator sport. (laughs) Um, It really is something that takes intention in terms of the the big big M or big mindfulness ideas that you shared with us or the everyday mindfulness tips. And we need to be on the lookout for those time blocking opportunities. Uh, You didn't say it, but I think we need to seek stories um, about purpose and fulfillment of purpose to share with people as part of uh, the process of leading them to a reconnection. And then we as leaders also need to model mindfulness because uh, we need to um, do what what we're essentially asking others to do to take care of themselves so that we can take care of the patients and families and others that turn to us for services and care. I love that you said it's not a spectator sport. I'm going to totally steal that from you. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> if it helps, if it helps people engage in what we talked about today, run with it, Nicole. That's amazing. <laughs> so Madeline, Rachel, any other closing thoughts you have? No, thank you so much for joining us today, Nicole. Thank you. This was really fun. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate all of your insights. A lot of excellent wisdom that I think so many people can walk away with um, and start doing right away. That's great. Just a reminder um, to our listeners that this is the first of two podcasts we'll be doing with Nicole. We do already have the topic for the second podcast and you can watch for it to be released in the future as well. Our second podcast with Nicole will focus on think fast, work well, training healthcare professionals to communicate effectively and deliver top-rated patient experience. So we hope you'll watch the ACHE Wisconsin um, website or the podcast service of your choice for that topic as well. And thank you again, Nicole, for your time today. Thank you so much. This podcast is copyrighted material of the American College of Healthcare Executives Wisconsin Chapter 2023.